Hey, welcome to Broker to Broker. This podcast is all about real talk from one broker to another. Each week, we'll be talking with an AIM member about their journey into the broker channel, their challenges, and unique insights. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Broker to Broker, brought to you by AIM, Association of Independent Mortgage Experts. I'm your host, JP Hussey of the Hussey Team Mortgage Advisors. And today we have my good friend, Jamie Cavanaugh of AmeriFund Home Loans. I said that right, right? Got it. Good morning. And we have to make sure we say you're the COO. I am the COO. I think my partner would be like, hey, what about me? Yeah, I'll right? Take the CEO title, though. You want you want to you want to name drop him though? You want to give him a little credit? Oh, my 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 partner and my brother from another mother and my friend of twenty three years, Brad Rice, and I uh, we we do this thing together. Nice. So so um you you've been with the Marathon right for all of these twenty. Yeah, years? I mean um the the Brad and I had another company back before the meltdown happened. Um, it was called Mortgage Corporation of America. Um, we had a, um, a wholesale arm called Zone Funding. We were um, in 43 states, boots on the ground in over 20. Mm -hmm. We were uh, we were pretty uh, good size operation, um, you know, direct lender selling direct to Wall Street. Uh, and then of course, uh, 0708 happened. Mm -hmm. So uh, you know, I went off into the into the executive world for a bit on the foreclosure side of the business because that's where that's where things were mm -hmm. uh, popping. Mm -hmm. So you know, we pivot, right? We we um we we find our we find our place. But uh, back about six years ago, Brad and I stayed friends. And back about six years ago, he said. Uh, he said, uh, I think I'm going to do this thing again. Let's do something. And so we started to build this. And, and Nice. That's yeah. awesome. So that's awesome. So, I mean, I know a little bit about you, but no one, not a lot of people do know your timeline, right? So how long ago did you get into the mortgage game though? What's that one? 20? It has been my entire life. So my mom was a real estate agent. She's, she's retired now, right, but cool. um, she was a real estate agent. So you got to understand like growing up, it's, you know, going to open houses on the weekends, the whole deal. And um, when I was in high school, after school, I would go and I would assist a loan officer at the brokerage that was affiliated with her real estate company. Okay. And I loved it. I loved it. I mean, it was at that time I was in LOA. And so as soon as I got out of high school and while I was in college, I kept assisting him. And then at some point, a couple years into college, I said, you know what? I think I like this other thing a lot better. And so I started working full time as a junior processor. And I literally just did every job in the business and kind of worked my way all the way up until I met Brad, which was back in 1999, if you can wow. believe that. And, uh, and I honestly been working with him on and off ever since. So I started off as kind of his employee and over the, over the decades, mm -hmm. uh, kind of became partners and, and now we're doing this thing. Nice. That's cool. So, I mean, you had a shot to become a real estate agent, right? I tried it, you know, after yeah. the mortgage meltdown, I actually, um, my mom convinced me uh, back in, it was like 08, 09, my mom convinced me to sell real estate with her for a little while. Um, it was not my cup of tea. All right, that's what I was going to ask. Like, Definitely. why do you like this side better than that side? I do. And you know what it is? I think it's the numbers, it's the, um, all the puzzle pieces of a loan and how everyone's story is so different. I think mm -hmm. that that was what did it for me. Uh, the real estate thing, I hats off to realtors. I mean, I honestly yeah. mad respect for them, but, um, after, after enough showing houses in the pouring rain and you know, the, the weekends and the evenings and the, and the, mm -hmm. just the hoofing it, I just, I realized it just wasn't my thing. It just isn't my, my, uh, my passion. Yeah. I mean, 
I mean, it's a lifestyle business, whether it's real estate or mortgage, right? So I like this side because we can kind of work from anywhere and kind of be on the go a bit, you know, we, and we don't have to drive people around. So like you said, I mean, mad respect, right. For them, because I mean, that's tough. I mean, you got to be with people all the time too. All the time. And then, you know, you get your buyers that want to see 10, 15, 20 houses. And, and, you know, Uh sometimes it takes months to find people the right place. And I just realized that that just wasn't, wasn't my, my passion, my forte. I'm more of a, I'm more of a get down to the nitty gritty and put, you know, put the pieces of the puzzle together and find the right loan program for the person is kind of more my bag. So that was where I I ended back up. Nice. I love it. I love it. So tell me a little bit more about Amerifund and how you guys are set up, right? So are you producing, are you originating right now? I do. I do originate. However, okay. I, I basically pass it on to my in-house loan officer. So I've built a team of in-house loan officers. We have okay. four of them currently. Um, and their entire job is to sit in the office 40 hours a week and essentially take our book of business and handle it. So through all of our different marketing efforts, but mostly through referrals, which is what the, really what the company has been built on. It's, it's Brad and my um, circle of influence and our referrals and our database, which is really what has driven the company um, for the last 20 years, you know, they come in constantly. And so these guys just sit out there and they, they take the leads and they take it from A to Z all the way through the process. Okay, cool. So you have, you have four LOs, Mm -hmm. right? You have you and Brad. What about the rest of the operation? You have processors, LOAs. Tell us the, the whole yep, game. Yep. So um, we currently have, I, I do have a couple of outside LOs, by the way, that have been okay. with me forever and I love them and they, they're just really super self-sufficient. They just plug, obviously their, their production plugs right into ops. But we have uh, two juniors and two seniors and then I have an ops manager that works for me who basically just makes sure everything runs smoothly from the time that the disclosures go out all the way through to closing. So we're heavy on ops intentionally because part of what I think has really driven the business and why we get referrals is because the customer experience is so important to us from every avenue. So, you know, it's, it's making sure the customer um, feels special and knows what to expect at every stage. So that means more people during the process, constantly following up with them and telling them what's next and making sure they understand where they are and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it, you know, it, it works. Um, it's been a bit of a challenge with, with the volume we're seeing in the industry right now and lender turn times. I think we've had to work extra hard to kind of, um, help our customers through understanding that things are taking longer than they normally mm-hmm. would and, and kind of just guide them through that. Yeah. yeah it makes total sense. You guys like, like my brokerage, we're hundred percent referral, right? So we're kind of reaping the benefits now because yeah. of such a good job we did the past, you know, four or five years, right? Yeah. On the purchase yeah. side when it's purchase heavy. So when you do the right thing, then they just kind of, they just come back to you. So I mean, that's what we're trying to grow where we're at as well. Just getting that awesome customer experience. So then they come back when we have something like this and it's all referral. So 100%. same thing. I totally get it. Are you originating too? Do you have LO supporting your business? Yeah, so yeah, so I'm I'm the main originator, and then we have Nikki, my brother, who's kind of LOA-ish, running ops, and he's an LO. He's looking to grow his book of business, so that's why we're putting things into place right now so that he can grow and he can go flourish. Because at some point he's like, "Yo, JP, I'm done. You know, yeah, I, I want to go do my. I mean, we both have egos. You know, we were born on the same day. Like we we get it. So he's gonna want to flourish and do his thing. So I get it totally." 
And, that, and that's kind of where we are too. So a lot of our in-house LOs that start with us, yes, they start supporting our book of business, but there's always this growth plan for them where we're teaching them, right? We're teaching them everything that we've learned over this, you know, 20 odd years that's built this business. Because what we want is we want them to spread their wings, but also stay with us, be another killer LO here at our company, continuing to provide the service and bring in even more referrals and build another book of business. So it's all just kind of part of the, the long game for me and, and the plan of making a marathon bigger than what it is today and growing it over the long term. Yeah. Yeah. And, and right now we don't have to market as hard. I mean, right. we're kind of lucky in that, but when you are marketing, like, like, what are you doing? What are your LOs doing? Could you touch on that a bit as well? Absolutely. We do lots of different things. I mean, I'm in a kind of an interesting community. It's a little bit, um, it's a little bit of a smaller community, a little bit um, old school. So believe it or not, I do some radio advertising because we do oh. have some local radio stations that people really listen to out here. There's a country station that we have. And and what we do, what we do area? Some, what area are you in again? We're in Southern California. It's a city right. called Simi Valley, right between Ventura and Santa Barbara. Um, okay been here forever. It's my hometown. So we do some small radio advertising on the local stations, which works out nicely for us. But also um, beyond that, social media, obviously, as you know, has become massive. So in addition to social media, I am constantly, constantly, constantly in my customer spaces via email, uh, email updates. Every week, mm -hmm. there's some sort of a weekly email update. They expect it. Um, they expect every week that they're going to get an email with some sort of a video with some sort of an educational uh, piece. And it's never an ask ever, 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 ever. So between that, I'll do some direct mail now and then targeted stuff. Like um, maybe I might target, you know, uh, VA loans when the rates are looking good and we yeah. can help save some veterans some money. Um, might be reverse mortgages. We do those as well. Um, you know, it's a little bit of everything. And, and the thing is, even though we're in a market right now where we really don't have to go chase after it, I, I'm really conscious about never stopping those activities mm -hmm. because we're not going to be here forever, right? You and I have been in this long enough to know that. So I have to constantly focus on that stuff so that when, you know, 10 months, 12 months, hopefully longer than that down the road, when things, the refi stuff isn't there anymore, all these efforts are continuing to pay off for us. Yeah. So that's a really good point. Cause right now in our industry, there's a lot of people coming back in trying to grab the low hanging fruit because of, of rates and refis. Right. But if you're really trying to play that long game, like you've had your proof of it, I've only been in 10 years. You're like 20 something, right? Yeah. It's, you have to be consistent, wouldn't you say? Consistent and, and be really purchase focused, right? Yep, you okay. have to. You know, that's the other thing too. Like, you know, we have our, our purchase referral partners, our realtors, you can't leave them alone. A lot of people in our business right now are so busy and they're so caught in the day-to-day -day of like, oh my God, I have 50 refis. I've got to focus on getting those closed that they're kind of ignoring and neglecting some of their referral partners. And the thing is when business slows on the refi side, everybody's going to remember their realtors again. But if you don't ever forget them, they're going to know that and they're going to continue to partner with you now and in the future because they're going to remember, hey, it didn't matter how busy JP's team was. They were always always following up and checking in with us and giving us what we needed. Yeah. Yeah. No. So do you have anything in place right now? And I'm doing this cause I'm trying to figure out and learn, learn from you. Like, yeah, you have it on a pretty consistent. Yeah. You know, part level. of the, part of the inside sales team's job is to follow up with every single one of our referral partners every single week. So every Friday cool. it's a, Hey, how's it going? Need any open house flyers. Uh, we've got, you know, these 10 clients pre-approved with you, uh, you know, just checked in with them. Looks good. Any, you know, do you have any pre-approval letters you're needing? Are you thinking you're going to take them out this weekend? Mm -hmm. Just a reminder, I'm available all weekend. You know, if you need anything, 
we're here for you. It's a reminder, you know, it's just a, hey, we haven't forgotten about you and we're here for you. Yeah, so, okay, so obviously organization is key to this, right? Yep. And I heard you have a pretty badass CRM, right? And, and yeah. I want to talk about that, but I want to say too, you see the question all the time. Oh, what do you think about this CRM? What do you, what's this? What's that? And I've always learned the best CRM to have is the one you actually use and implement, right? Yep. So, it's the one you use, right? Okay. We get that so much and it is, yeah. it's the one you use. So we that use Salesforce. So it's Salesforce. Okay. It's Salesforce. It's, it's, it's called Jungo and it's like, it's essentially a, a, a mortgage, uh, like a tripped out mortgage version of Salesforce. Um, okay. And Salesforce is super robust. You know, I was like, we were talking about it at Fuse and, you know, everybody's like, shoot, if you have Salesforce, there's nothing you can't do. And that's very true. But, um, but what's important isn't so much what it can do. It's what you use it for. And in our case, the RCRM is exactly what reminds us to make all the thing calls I just told you about. Okay. So, you know, we don't just, we don't just wake up and say, I think I'll call my realtor today. There are, there are staged calendar reminders for every single one of our, our guys. Mm -hmm. And so, they have a pipeline and every day they have a next touch date and they know I need to talk to these realtors. I need to talk to these borrowers. I have all of these borrowers in these various stages. These guys are pre-approved. I need to check in. Okay. These guys only docs. Like it's, it's all, it's all tracked. It's all got to be organized in order for us to keep four, five, six, seven, eight people on task and not lose track of our customers. You only have so much brain power. You're not going to re remember no. it all, right? So I like to call this like a personalized automated automation, right? Sure. You need it some sort of automated, but you can't lose that personal touch. It's really a fine line right now, especially over the years where, oh, the robots are coming, right? We're all out of <laughs> yep, time. Yep. It's not going to happen. It's really taking this technology and putting it into the sales team and then allowing them to flourish and take some of that brain fog off of them trying to remember everything. Right. You're hundred percent right. What right. it is, is it's leveraging the technology to help you continue to offer the personalized experience. So your customers have no idea that, that you're being reminded by your CRM to call them. All they know is that you remembered to call them. They feel valued and special and they are. But to your point, if I've got a hundred people in my queue, there's no way I'm going to remember that I needed to call Bob on Tuesday and you know, right. Jessica on Wednesday. Right. So it's a, it's it's the it's the marriage of the technology with the personal touch that I think helps us all be so successful and keep getting those referrals. Cool, cool. Okay, so take us through a loan, right? So let's say someone texts or emails you, right, and says, "Hey, I want to start the process." What what are you using as a as a point of sale? POS. What do you have there? And what, what what's the flow all the way to the end? Could you yep. kind of break that down? I think yeah. that would be helpful. Sure. So um, we've got, you know, call comes in, email comes in, text comes in. Um, usually I will have a quick, you know, if it's somebody I know really well, quick, hey, thank you. I'm going to pass you off to, and I'll intro them to whoever the, LO, okay. the, the loan officer is I'm going to give them to. And then they, they basically, um, they either update or enter them in the CRM. It's, they're usually already in there because it's normally a warm, a warm lead. And then we use, I actually contracted about six months ago with a company called Lender Price, who I'm liking. And they've actually replaced Loan Sifter for me, if you can believe it. They actually I've heard have of them. Yeah, I've heard of them. They're like really them. good. Um, I've been working directly with them too. And they developed something called Digital Lending Platform, which is basically like what Flowify and some of those other things do. 
Um, but I like it a lot and I like it because it's got some features built into it that I think are a little bit more robust for me, including after the customer fills out an application, I can actually price directly from it. So there's no separate module for pricing. So basically same old thing. Customer fills out the app. We send them the link. They fill out the app. The document list populates based on how they answer the app questions. So the borrower self-employed, it knows to ask them for certain things. And if the borrower's not, it knows not to ask them for certain things. And this is um, lender price, right? That we're yeah, talking lender about? price. Okay. And the, and the 1003 um, application piece is called Digital Lending Platform. It's totally branded, totally Amerifund. Um, it looks, you know, doesn't have any reference to, to the parent company that's generating the software or anything like that. Oops. Um, and then once the documents come in, the beauty of it is like it's got its own built-in SMSing and reminder stuff so that the customer is getting a text and an email and so are we. So we know every stage of the way what they're doing and where they're at with it. Um, and then, uh, you know, stuff comes in, then we import it into Encompass, which is currently our LOS. Um, okay. It's working for us. You know, eventually I'd like to, to move into something uh, different, but right now Encompass works. So it's yeah, what we yeah. use. Cool. Um, so it goes into Encompass and um, my LOs will do the initial review. They'll make sure that the customer qualifies and figure out what the right loan is for them. And that's when we get down to the nitty gritty, right? Of, you know, what's, are we ready to lock? What, what's the best lender rate program service? And it's a balancing act right now in a big way. And I think you're probably in the same boat, yeah. you know, pricing is big, but so is service. So you have to look at your top three, four lenders and go, okay, what's the path of least resistance here? This one might price similarly to the other, but this one's going to get it done way, way faster. And time is really kind of our enemy right now. You mm -hmm. can't have a loan taking 60 days to close. It's not good yeah. for you, not good for your customer. So we're making that judgment call. Um, and then uh, locking the loan, sending it off to our disclosure team. So I have the disclosure team, our junior processors disclose our loans. Okay, cool. That way, if they also need documents from the customer because everything didn't come back, uh, they can follow through. And it's the seamless transition into processing from there. It's the same team that they're going to work with all the way through. And then the disclosures come back. Our processing team will submit within 24 hours. And, um, and our, our processors actually will do a preliminary needs list as they're submitting the file. Hey, Mr. Borrower, we looked at your loan. We're anticipating the lender is going to need X, Y, and Z. So if we could get ahead of it, here's what we need. And generally speaking, when we do that, considering that lenders are taking so long to underwrite our files right now, by the time we get our approval, nine times out of 10, we've got everything that we need to submit for a clear to close. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we should all be doing that anyway. Yeah. You know? um, like scrubbing the file before it even yep. goes in. But especially now, right? Yes. If an approval does take, you know, if you're fighting on price and you want the, you have to go to a specific lender, it takes 20 days you kind of would be clean right when it comes out. Yeah, otherwise you're going to go, you know, you're going to go back and forth four times. You're going to lose another two weeks just underwriting touches, you know, because the file didn't have everything in it the first time. It's, it's, it's a balancing act. And that's why ops is so important right now. And our processing team is so critical to us is, you know, they've been doing this a long time too. And uh, my ops manager has been with me 20 years, you know, so awesome. a, lot of, a lot of these guys have been with me a really, really long time. And, um, have come with me through the different companies. Even when I went into the corporate world, a couple of them came with me there too. And, and it's all about having the same kind of customer focused mindset, but also having the knowledge to know how to get along through quickly and cleanly for our customers. It's a big deal. So how many lenders do you, are you using right now? Like, I mean, how many do you have and how many are really using? I mean, we have, you know, eight or 10, but we really use about three or four and it's based okay. on product, quite honestly, you know, oh, your yeah. little FICO govy stuff, you got to, 
go, you know, in one direction with it. And then um, obviously I'm a big fan of UWM. So if I can get a loan done there pricing wise, it's going to go there for speed, for efficiency, because they're such a great broker advocate. Um, but yeah. In, and then the other stuff is really just kind of price and price and service and timing based. Who's, yeah. who's got the, the yeah, rate. You being in the, in this business and, and, and knowing about it and being in it so long, I mean, you would recommend because things change so quick, like tomorrow there could be a new lender that you haven't used in a while that is hot and they fix everything up. Right. Everyone is trying to compete with UWM a bit. Right. And that's mm -hmm. good. Let's get up to that level in terms of technology and communication and processing. Um, but you recommend having like that eight, depending on the size of your shop, of course, and what you do. But for you personally, like eight to 10 have good relationship with them and then like be prepared to only use three or four. Like I that's do. how I feel. I do. And you know why? Because first of all, you never want all your eggs in one basket, right? How many times have we been burnt by sending all of our files to one or two lenders? They get overloaded. It's not their fault. Everybody's doing the same thing, right? They get overloaded and then we've got all of our files log jammed. So I've been burned enough times that I feel like it's important to have really good working relationships with a good, good, good handful of lenders and a lot of overlap on product offerings so that there's not only one lender offering one thing. If I can avoid it, I always have at least two lenders that have the same product so that I'm never pigeonholed okay, into cool. having one place that can only do one thing. Jumbo would be the only sore spot right now. I think we're all facing so, it. Starting mm -hmm. to see it open up a little bit, but, but it's been a tough one for the last probably four or six months. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, to be honest, we, you know, we just refer them out like uh, hey, yeah. you should probably go here. It might take you a bit longer, but financially it's better for you if you can go through a little bit more pain but when you, when the jumbo, it's a jumbo deal, you're talking about could be tens of thousands of dollars. Like, yeah, yeah. like you kind of have to take yeah. some pain and that's what yeah. part of being an advisor and a, a broker is. I mean, if you can't do it, it doesn't make sense. You, you can't, you can't do it. Right. You're so right. I mean, we do refer out when we have to, yeah. because you got to do what's right for your client. You know, at the end of the day, it's, it's really, if it was about the money, we wouldn't still be here because there's been, there have been enough ups and enough downs to know, you know, there's nothing worse than over promising and under delivering. And I won't do it. I won't do it. That the, the stress it puts on the client and my staff is not worth it. It's not no. worth it. I, I mean, you've had sleepless nights, I'm sure back in the day, or even recently, who knows about who still do. <laughs> okay, right. Um, all right, cool. So let's switch directions a bit. This is one thing that we wanted to talk about again. And I love the question. So there's a lot of people flooding into the industry, right? Um, a lot of people are thinking, I mean, quite honestly, if I was going to get back in, well, I'm in the industry. If I was going to come from the retail side to the broker side, I may not want to start my own brokerage, right? You may want to get with a good broker that will teach you the way and even being upfront saying I might start a brokerage later like what are your thoughts there i mean you see behind the scenes i the past two years i see everything that i didn't know that was going to come up compliance you know doing the books the whole thing and trying to originate so what's your advice there if you're coming in you know you got a big ego you just did 40 million last year you know i'm gonna go start my own shop right like what's your advice there because it could go both ways it could totally go both ways and there and there are pros and cons to all of it but what i would say to the that top originator who's saying, why am I giving my money to my broker when I could just be the I broker? Who's that guy? I do too. Remember, you're about to check quite a bit of your origination activity at the door because mm -hmm. you're about to become a boss. You're about to have 
even if you've only got one or two employees, you're about to have HR, payroll, compliance, legal, paperwork like you've never seen. There are just things that inherently come with running a company that you can't avoid. You know, all of the um, NMLS reports and all the different things that you probably never had to think about before are now on your plate. There's yep. nobody else to do it. And I think more than anything, at the end of the day, when you are a broker owner, there is no one else. The buck stops with you. So when things are going great, they're going great. And when they're not, there is nobody but you that is going to roll up your sleeves and get it done no matter what hour or what, what day it is. And there is an immense responsibility there when you have people working for you and people relying on you and their livelihoods are based on you and, and what you drive into the company. And so it's amazing in so many ways because while there is a lot of that and and to a certain degree you have to remember you're not going to spend 12 hours a day originating anymore there are going to be hours of your day where you're not able to talk to your customers the way that you used to and you're not going to be in direct sales like you used to be on the other side when you're able to bring people in and develop them and teach them and watch them realize success and watch them become um really amazing and 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 see themselves succeeding, that is so cool and so rewarding and it's worth it. Because instead of just watching yourself succeed, you're, you're allowing others to and you're, and you're doing something that's super meaningful. And for me, that has been an easy trade-off to not necessarily being the originator anymore because now I've, now I've watched four other people do it and it's cool, it's super cool. Yeah, how cool is that? I mean, that's beautifully said. Um, like I said, I'm in that process right now trying to grow. And, it, and it's hard, but you can see it and you get the right people. And for you, I mean, to have, uh, I forget his name, uh, operations uh, manager, right? For 22 years yeah. or something? Yeah. yeah that, that's pretty cool. I mean, that just goes to show that you're picking the right people and investing in them. So it does. You don't want these one-off. Like, I, I mean, I remember we're at the time right now, maybe not this year, where a lot of these bigger or smaller correspondent type lenders, they hired a lot of people this year. We're getting into the holidays. Volume might dip. What's going to happen? Yep. They're going to get laid off, right? I don't, yep. I don't think any of us want that at that smaller brokerage no. level, obviously. No, we thoughtfully grow. When we scale, I scale slowly and I scale really intentionally because these mm -hmm. people are important. I mean, their lives are important. I don't want to have to grow and then and then cut back so quickly. So, um, yeah, I mean, you, 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 when you've been in this, like you got, like, you know, you've been 10 years, you know, it's that time of year it's coming, you know, it might be better than most years just because of the climate we're in right now with the market, but you know, it's still going to be slower. It's just, it's just the nature of the beast. And so you've got, we hedge for that. We plan for that. We know our people know our staff knows like they're safe. They're okay. And that's so important to us because you don't need them distracted and worried that Christmas time is going to come and they're going to be laid off. You know, that's just the worst case scenario. So we try to run lean on, on purpose for that very reason. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about that then. So staying, staying lean, right. As a business owner and an originator trying to mix it all up. Right. So Okay. Staying, I mean, you have to, because then you can keep your, your margins lower. Right. Yep. So any, any tips there of how to stay organized and staying lean? Cause there's, there's just more and more bills that come in. You try something new and yep. like anything there you could, you could touch on. Well, I mean, I, we've been putting most of everything back into the business for the last year, just because we want to scale and we think it's so important to invest it back in now when things are good so that we can, we can absorb all the scaling without having to stress out so much. Mm -hmm. But I think, um, I can't go back to the whole consistency and organization thing enough because it's so critical at every stage. If everybody's working smart, 
then you know that even though your team, because I'm going to be honest, some of my team are working crazy hours right now. And it's, some of it's by choice. I mean, I want them to have work-life balance, but some of them are beasts. They want it, you know, they want it bad. They want it done. And so when I'm here late, they're right here with me, you know, and, and, you know, I'd rather give them that opportunity and let them bonus more and make more and, and just kind of watch it closely and know when the breaking point is and just have, you know, maybe, a half of an extra person, if that makes any sense to you, yeah. rather than two extra people, because that's what keeps us lean. It, it you know, it, it keeps them from burning out, but it also keeps them busy, fulfilled, happy, and and making the kind of money that they deserve to make in this market. And so it's it's really just keeping your eye on things and and watching your people and making sure your staff aren't uh, overdoing it for their own self, selves, their own health and well-being while making sure, honestly, I'm always interviewing because it's so hard to find good people. I always, always, always have ads. I always, always, always am interviewing because you just never know what's going to happen. And I've always got somebody kind of in the hopper, especially in processing that I've got in mind in case I need to make some quick decisions. Nice. So, so what are your goals right now? How much more do you want to grow? Or do you have, do you have a limit? There, at this point, I, I don't have, well, I have, I have a, I have a physical limit in what my office can hold. We uh, share our space with, with our tech startup that my partner runs. And okay. uh, I've, I've already located some additional space for them should they need it, which, because uh, Amerifund's uh, starting to take over a little bit. So okay. I've got plans for them. But um, no, we've got, we, I've got, I could probably house another six to eight people and I'd like to. So I'm bringing in two interns in about a week. They are um, just out of college. Uh, they, I had a very specific skill set I wanted. I wanted a 3.5 minimum GPA. I wanted a uh, focus on- I wouldn't make it. I, uh, I may not either, but that's a whole Sorry. other story. <laughs> don't judge, don't judge, right? <laughs> we're good at sales, we're good, we're good at what we do. But um, they also had a, a background in sports. So there's a really specific skill set. Why? Because they're coachable. Why? Because uh, they have a team player mentality. And so those are some things that I was looking for specifically. They're coming in and what they're going to do is they're going to start by making calls to our database every day, all day. And if we can show that they don't have call reluctance, that they're reliable, that they can show up every day, then at the 30 day mark, I'm going to sponsor them to get their licenses. So once they get their licenses, they're going to go through a training program and they're going to learn how to be in-house loan officers. It's probably going to take six, nine months to get them to where they're, you know, fully up and running. Yep. But in the meantime, they'll become LOAs to my in-house LOs. And so my goal is to have a revolving door and a, and a constant conveyor belt where at any given time, I always have interns, I always have LOA trainees, and then I've got my senior LOs. And if I can keep that going and keep that growing, then obviously I'm going to scale ops to, to suit that. But if I can keep that going, as far as I'm concerned, the sky's the limit. I, I, I see no reason not to keep going. I, I love it how you don't have a ceiling. You're just like, we're just going to keep rolling. I have a system in place and... We can grow as big as we want to with the system, right? That's it. Cool. Um, all right, cool. So, wow, that was already 30, 30 minutes. So <laughs> uh, I always end with two questions. I think this will take up the time, right? So, all right, let's say you have, you have one of these newer interns, right? Let's say they made it through, right? You sponsor them. They get licensed, right? So if you're brand new to the industry or maybe someone that needs to, refresh themselves they were struggling a bit right what's one or two things you're going to tell them to do right off the bat to get started or back honestly go back to the basics right so I, I say this all the time we just you just said it earlier consistency right every day consistency have a game plan for your day if you break yourself down into your just your day just start with today today i'm going to do 
these things to prospect. And then I'm going to do these things to cultivate the existing clients in my database. If you do a little bit of everything every single day without fail, then you're, everything else follows. All of the leads and the conversions will come. But it's those days when you get caught up in the paperwork or you get caught up in the tough deal that you're trying to work on and you, and you don't do the prospecting, that's when it starts to bite you. That's when you start to, to not build that momentum. And that's when you have an off week or an off couple of days. And in sales, we know those peaks and valleys, those valleys are hard to come back from. So the more consistent you can be and the more that you time block that couple of hours, every single solitary day, the more it'll pay off in the long run for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we've talked about, I'm like a squirrel. I'm like, you know, I'm over here. Right. (laughs) So Nick and I have talked about time blocking, but we're a lot alike. Right. So what I said is we can time block being reactionary, right? You have three or four things, start small, right? You don't have to time block every hour. Like I'm waking up at six and I'm brushing my teeth because that'll get crazy. But if you can time block three or four things you have to do in the day and also time block a fifth one to just do whatever, I think that's huge. That's one thing I learned because you would think time blocking means not being reactionary, but why not just time block being reactionary, right? I do it I, every morning after we do our, our morning sales meeting, I give each of my LOs a half an hour and it is their half hour to come in and whatever they need, whatever yeah. problem file, something's exploding. They don't know what to do. They're frustrated. They're having an off day and they just need a pep talk, whatever it is. It could be a, a therapy session, whatever it is. For some reason, that half hour is it gets, it, they walk out of the office and they're like, I'm ready. Mm-hmm. I know. I know exactly what I need to do today. Like I'm good it makes a huge difference. And then the, the last part of my day is pretty much a couple hours of just putting out fires. And I don't know what those fires are going to look like. So you're dead on with that. Yeah, like, gonna- I don't know what I'm going to be reacting to. I just know I'm going to be doing something and it's going to take up hours of my day. But if I know that I've got that time set aside, then whatever comes up during the day, I'm like, at three o'clock, I'm going to deal with that. I'm going to deal with that at three o'clock. Cool. I'm not going to let derail me at 10. I, I got this. And it, and it gives you that sense of like, it's, yeah. it'll get done. I just can't do it right this second. That's awesome. I think that's important. I think that's going to be great for people to listen to because I think people get upset with that problem because they care so much. There's nothing wrong with that. You want to care about it, but you have to get yourself first and get yourself right so you can make it right with them. So, I I mean, I get it. I think that's great. Um, All right. Let's talk quick about work-life balance then, right? It's crazy. We're working extra hours, but I get it. We all, this is what the business can do to you, right? So, you just talked about your LOs. What about yourself in your position? Like, oh, what do you yourself? The struggle is real. The struggle is so real. Um, man, it's been, ever since we were at Activate, you know, back in March, it's been like, it's mm-hmm. like someone- It popped off, right? It, it popped off like no tomorrow. I mean, like there were like, like I wasn't even hardly sleeping at all. And finally I started realizing like something's got to give, right? Uh-huh. I mean, I've got a six-year-old daughter. So I'm also mom in, the, in a life and, you know, thank God my husband's an underwriter. So I don't have to explain anything to him when we get home. It's like, right, we get cool. it. But, um, but, you know, I started to bring in help. So I hired a sales manager and he just finished 30 days with me and he's part of, I'm teaching him to be me. So I'm teaching him to have these meetings and do this accountability stuff and run the CRM the way I do. And then, you know, my ops manager obviously is doing the same with ops, but it's letting go of control and it's a hard thing to do. But if you want to make it, if you want to have some, some semblance of health, happiness, and sanity, you got to do it. You can't grow and scale to any level if you can't empower other people to, to do things. And you know, the biggest lesson for me is 
they're not going to do it exactly the way that I'm going to do it. There are so many paths to get to the end result. And my path isn't necessarily the only one that works. And it's not the only right one either. And so when we get to the point where we realize that and we release a little bit of the control and know that it's going to get done one way or another, it's going to get done. Believe in it, right? We trust that you know, that then you can get a little sleep. You know, I mommed so hard yesterday. I was, you know, telling my other broker friends, like we're on a text chain. I was like, I mommed so hard. I grocery shopped. I did laundry. I meal prepped for the week. Like I, I started this week strong because I knew I mommed so hard all day Sunday. Like that's what I did. I turned off the phone and that was it. I was mom and it felt great. And it allowed me to start this week, not feeling guilty, not feeling like I wasn't there for my little one. Um, and you just got to do that. You just got to balance it out. That's cool. Well, I can feel it. I can feel your energy right now. I might call you Ma- Mama Jamie from now on. I got you. I got you. All right, cool. I'm good with that. All right. So last question. I always ask this one. So the next three to five years, where do you think we could talk on any topic, the mortgage side, real estate side, they're obviously intermixed. Where do you see it going? The next 12 months, I think we're going to see a pretty, a pretty, I'm hoping um, a lot's going to happen in the next um, month uh, with the election and stuff like that. But I'm hoping that this, this market holds out long enough for us to continue the momentum. And when I say us, I really mean all of us because I think we're all kind of, I think we all all feel like we're racing the clock a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. Those of us that want to grow and scale um, much like you, you know, I feel like I'm racing the clock because I want to, I want to, do it while the business is still there so that when the business starts to, to slow a little bit, all the efforts I'm making right now are, are going to kick in. Yeah. Um, over, beyond the 12 months, it's so hard to say. I, I mean, I think that that the real estate market is still super hot. We're still seeing multiple offers. I just got a text from an agent this morning that there were like 22 offers on a property out here. Yeah. We're still There's still bidding wars going on. Prices are still high and stable. I don't know where it's going to go, but I think, I don't think it's ever going to crash and I'm knocking on wood here, but I don't think it's ever going to crash like it did before because we have a lot of different things going on in our market and we're a lot smarter than we were back in 07, 08. Um, I think that those that play the long game, those that do business the right way, that build a long lasting referral based company, they're going to be okay. That's my, that's my bet. Nice. I love it. That's well said. Um, you got you got something else something else to tell the aim community right now since we have a couple more minutes well aim has been huge um for me personally you know when i when i started in this industry i say this all the time but i can't say it enough we were an island there was no support there was nobody to call we we figured it out and you know since i became an uh, aim member everything's change. It's changed for me in so many amazing ways. It's changed everything. The support system of the AIM team and the value that they're bringing to us every day with just the, the vendor partners, the mm-hmm. education, the, these podcasts. I mean, I've listened to so many of my colleagues and every time I listen, there's a little something I get out of it that I didn't think of before. Yeah. Um, and then just the community and the friendships that I've built are, are unbelievable. Sometimes it's just, it's just that like, Hey, this is how I'm feeling today. Are you feeling it too? And it's that, no, I'm right there with you. We're all in this together. I cannot say enough about it. This community is amazing. And to anybody that's not a member of AIM, you need to join now because it is, it has changed my life, my career, my business, um, in ways that I, I can't even begin to describe. Well, it makes sense. I mean, we never, we may have met in activate, but everyone feels like briefly. they know each other. And yeah. then you see them and you just kind of pick back up, even though it's the first time you met them. So it's really cool. It's super cool. Like it was just cool to see you and stuff in Detroit. It was like, like, we feel like we're long lost friends. Yeah. Right. Totally. Right. Cool. Well, it was great speaking with you. When I get out to Cali, I'm going to find you. Come find me. 
at your Definitely. office. Um, but anything else that you need, hit me up and I hope I can do the same with you. Same here. Have a great Thanks. day. Thanks, Jamie. Thanks. Later. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Broker to Broker podcast. Make sure to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss a single episode. Head over to aimgroup.com backslash broker to broker and subscribe on any platform where you listen to podcasts.